Yo, what's good? Welcome to Countercurrents. This is your host, Petey Steele. This might be the last week that my co-host, Elena Torres, is on maternity leave. She says she wants to get back in the swing of shit next week. I mean, I'm not the fucking one that decried feminism here. Just let it be known for the record. She can take off for three months if she wants. But, um, you know, I brought in just as good a, you know paternal figure to supplant her for oh. this episode my main man ramin what up master fabi what's oh, good you said baby? it right and everything did good i really you. yeah fucking a. yeah pretty good what do people say master fady uh yeah there's all kinds of different versions in fact in my own family uh there's um contention over how it's pronounced really, really. Yeah, yeah yeah do you guys um, fight every thanksgiving about it like well as middle easterners we're always fighting somebody right. uh, where but, are you uh, from what country originally? i was born in iran okay uh, but, uh, but i'm i mean i was born there my dad's iranian my mom was just you know regular brand uh, american a german scotch irish sure. white person uh and um they moved over here when i was uh, only about one and uh unfortunately when i was coming up being Iranian was it was sh- uh shameful and because we lived in a different world at the time like sure. now like you can be from a country that has issues like that and where you know small-minded people are like well they're all terrorists but we live in a world now where right. there's much more empathy yeah um when I was a kid it was like the Ayatollah and the Ali North situation it was like if you were from Iran, you were part of it, and people people's minds weren't as open back then. Now, where so, did you grow up? In, in I the, hit it in the states. Uh, so the family moved uh, to the Midwest at first. Okay. Uh, so we did uh, did some time. Sounds like I'm in jail, but did some time in uh, Ohio and Indiana, and then. Oh um, yeah, that's the pit of hell. Eh, I mean, I was I could I could have been I mean, anywhere. Yeah, I just, but I just for, needed grass and dirt at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then they moved uh, to Towson, right outside of Baltimore, uh, for a few years. And Lateral then, move to say the least. We did all right, and then, um, and then finally in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, since the time I was, uh, I think I was eleven okay. or so, and then uh, and I've been a Northern Virginia guy, DC guy, ever since. Fuck yeah! yeah so dude. how did you end up rooting for the Cubs? My mom's family okay. is from uh, Springfield, Illinois. Oh, yeah. And I just kind of latched on. It's also, capital. when I was a kid, that's correct. When I was a kid, um, WGN, which is the Chicago Superstation, yes, it is. was everywhere. And so that I think that's why there's a lot of Cubs fans. Not only is it you know like a cute little community, Wrigley Field is awesome, Chicago is awesome, but also... Back then, it was like TBS or WGN in, yeah. or your local team. And if you didn't have a team that you were necessarily getting behind, that was it, man. You were exposed to it. So there's a lot of Braves fans everywhere, and there's a lot of Cubs fans everywhere, I yeah. think, because of that. been to my share of stadiums, and I will say Wrigley's the best. The bleacher seats, anyway. That's where it's the really party's nice. at. It's yeah, great. Yeah. I went yeah, to the right. Crosstown Classic at uh, what was known as Comiskey. There's something else yeah. when I went down there. Now, what do they call uh, it? Is it Comerica? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, that's it. Is Some, that it? Yeah, I don't it's know. corporate shit now. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, not that Comiskey was necessarily not a big oil magnate or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm just a baseball fan. I'm yeah. not going to claim to be intelligent. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, that, that was a glorious fucking game when I was Great. out there. For, yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I uh, love that city, and I love and I love doing comedy there. Oh, yeah. yeah I've never done it. Oh, I, uh, go up I would to love the to. Laugh Factory. 
and just knock yeah, on the door and tell set. them to put me on. No, I know people up there. I mean, oh, they could, they could networking plug you a little bit, right. and then not to mention just uh, there's some guy up there that books a bunch of people from Baltimore. Like I know mm. Matt Brown and Leland, and oh, okay, I think Lizzie Norman and some people have been out there. Right on, Bunny right on. Them. Yeah, yeah, sure, man. I'd love to go out there, and uh, if it could be during baseball season, that would be a dream. Fuck yeah, for sure. I spent a little time outside of Chicago at a. A little town called Malta, Illinois, uh, like population Malta? less than uh, 500. Uh, again, not going to claim to know things. M-A-L-T-A? Um, it is that. Okay. And uh, it was uh, a, a couple of years ago I did a, um, a bunch of fundraiser shows for uh, Syria, for Aleppo. Nice. And um, I broadcast that I would headline any show for free mm-hmm. as long as every dime went to something associated with helping the people of uh, of Aleppo or of Syria or anything to do with the the, the um, war, I guess you'd call it, out there. And uh, a bunch of people around D.C. did it. We uh, headlined a bunch of shows here, Virginia Beach, Funny Bone did it. Um, and then uh, a woman that I knew uh, right around college years, she now owns a, a bar out in Malta, Illinois, and she was like, "We'll do it," and uh, Sweet. you know, paid for my flight out there, and we did a great little show in this tiny town. And uh, her bar was uh, amazing, uh, and um, uh, something gastro pub. I wish I could remember that. I'm sure if you Google uh, Malta, Illinois gastro pub, it would uh, Remingtons maybe. So like, uh, it's, it's escaping me right now, but it was fun, man. Uh, but that was as close to Chicago as I ever got to perform. But we raised about a. Uh, twelve thousand dollars. That's a, great. In a month and a half, yeah, it was Fucking great. Fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a big, you know, philanthropist type of oh, guy. Oh, I try to care about people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, even most recently in the comedy scene, I don't mm-hmm. know if you want to take it there or not, but that whole, uh, you know, call it out of certain venues and. Oh yeah, I don't know if that's philanthropy. I mean, it's sort of so like oversight is, uh, in a sense. Well. Yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't like to stand by and uh, watch uh, watch abuse of any artist, and right. I've been doing it long enough to where I think I have a pretty good beat on what what the value of this craft is, and then right. also, um, you know, just witnessing, uh, especially the younger, newer comics, sure. uh, get abused yeah. by venues that know they'll bend over and take it so yeah, yeah. It, you know i am I, I understand that i'm a person that has a little less to lose than some other people because mm-hmm. uh, i produce my own events and i thank goodness at this time i have no trouble getting booked places yep. so for me to stand up uh to a little uh, show like that is like all right so so what if i get banned from the state theater like right. who cares for Fucking me a. i don't care um but i understand that there are people that uh feel the same as i do yeah. but they're a little less willing because understandably they want to work as much as possible right um so uh yeah i'm i'm happy to do that and i'm and i'm proud to do that um you know i i don't know i really don't know what the pulse is in the dc scene is it, is it like uh, oh i mean he needs to shut the fuck no, up or no. is it like oh thank goodness he's saying something i really don't know no, i just I've talked to a few people about it on the low and whatnot and not just old heads who were like 
definitely like, hey, he's right. But then even young people, too, that are actually doing it. I talked to somebody who was on the way to to perform in that day. Oh, right on. And they were like, fuck, I know, you know, and I was like, okay, why are you doing it? Well, you know, and look, I wasn't telling them you cannot. Right, right, right. No, I I would never. I don't blame the artist. Because I've done it two times. And when I did it, Where'd you spend your $10? That's huge. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I didn't get anything then. We didn't get oh. dick. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, I've seen your comedy. That's about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I said, Ramin's a philanthropist. He books me. You know what I mean? Um, no, no. But actually, they were great, fun shows in terms of like you're in a big theater. And I think that's sure. kind of one of the selling points. Of and course. They pack it, it. For sure. And it, the acoustics are fucking loud. Yeah, and you walk cool out feeling like you fucking crush. Yeah, no doubt. Know? Fun show for sure. That being said, principally, that's not yeah. the thing. Yeah, there's so yeah. many pieces to it. And yeah. part of it is just educating or at least um, uh, giving my two cents to those yeah. that I see, and I've I've also uh, reached out to people that I see on the list, and I especially the vets, and I go, hey, uh, you know, yeah. really think about this. What are you doing here? And then some of the younger people that I'm just sort of sort of cool with, that I feel comfortable reaching right. out and going, you know, I, I support you. I want you to uh, thrive. Yeah. And I think one of the ways you can help do that for yourself is watch out for X, Y, Z, and from a business standpoint, look at all these numbers. Right. Somebody's walking with a chunk. You're giving yourself away for free, which as a producer, my producer side looks at that and goes, oh, you're willing to work for five or ten bucks on a Saturday? Hell, I'll book you in Lorton. Yeah. I'll, I'll book you at a private, and oh, I'll pay shit. you ten bucks, and I'll take $2,000. Now, like, now the cutthroat Master Favi comes out. Yeah. Now, I would never no, do no, that, no, no. but but that's how pe- I could totally look at it from a, you're sure. a devaluing your craft. Right. And if I, th- it's just, and I, I wrote this metaphor online. It's like, if you live in a neighborhood where all the homes are worth a million dollars, right. And then you sell yours for 200,000, the well, other lowered the value of everybody's dropped, house. Right. So we're all the houses. Yeah. And if people are doing gigs for five or 10 bucks, then the venues look around and go, guess that's the value of comedy. Cause art yeah. always sets its own value. Yeah. Whether it's a portrait or a, a, a pottery or, or singing or a band or anything, all of us set our own price. Right. But think about it. what if nobody in the scene did anything for less than a hundred bucks? Be pretty crucial. Then we'd all make at least a hundred bucks. Now, there's not well there's not always people that are worth a hundred bucks. I'm well. just saying, if no one performed, no one performed at a ticketed event. For less than $100, we would get $100. I'm not saying everyone's worth that. I I think, for the most part, that's true. I think there'd be some people, though, if I saw them get $100, I'd go up and rob them for $35. (laughs) General principle. I don't disagree with you. You I'm simply saying we set our own market value. Yeah, yeah, no. And and I've actually seen this in... I mean, I'm a longtime hip hop fan. Some of yeah. the more underground that are actually burgeoning lately acts have started making albums and selling them online for like a hundred dollars, sometimes oh. for three hundred or something in limited oh. edition. Right on. And they're getting it. Yeah. And I'm like, holy fuck! Like, yeah. I'm not gonna pay that much for that fucking album, but yeah. when I have like all these old classics. I mean, they're great albums. Don't get me wrong, but right you know, I'm I still respect it. I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. You guys yeah, put it out that. there, man. Yeah, if they're getting it, that's great. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I you got to say scene, no to some things. You I do. think that's I right. think you just got to look at the numbers. Now, yeah. if somebody's doing a charity event, you know, there's allowance for that. If there's no charge at the door, there's allowance for that, but we still have to be careful. Right. Uh, anytime that we're performing, like what is the, 
who's taking a chunk here? You know, just yeah, because yeah. somebody's not charging at the door doesn't mean that the the venue didn't pay that pay producer a thousand dollars to put on a show. And, right, right, and right. You just got you got to be cautious with that and and know your value. That's all. Um, you know, and people that are in the top ten percent of the performers in the D.C., Baltimore, uh, whatever area, uh, we need to set the tone. Sure. Uh, because quite truly, union or no, um, if the top ten percent, five percent, or whatever absolutely had a minimum for given circumstances you know obviously there'd be a scale tuesdays are different than saturdays um but if every one of us stuck to it as if it was a union we'd get it yeah or there'd be worse comedy shows out there there'd be shows that suffer because only the people that aren't worth the money will do it then attendance goes down comedy suffers and we all struggle that's the thing like and and i think that makes producers get sharper too like i'll remember when brock snyder started his whole thing you know we even before the condominiums he would have these couple of venues usually in like you know black tops or like big beer gardens big open expanse spaces didn't even necessarily make sense for a venue but he would add things like he would have this one girl that could do these fucking crazy acrobatic things with like big strings or sometimes she'd come out with fire and everything okay so spectacle she was a hottie though so that didn't hurt yeah but nonetheless um we would go out there and there'd be 25 people in a lineup and i remember doing one of them and just looking at the crop of talent and being like this sucks and then he would hit me up because i i've known him a while we've went to the same high yeah. school and stuff and he'd say hey bro you're free tonight and i would just start saying i'm free if you got 20 dollars, but i'm not coming out to that fucking jamboree and doing <laughs> cartwheels and shit for anything like you know free cokes you put out or something you know okay and he would start doing it. And then a couple of these newbies found out or they saw it and they got mad. And I was like, you didn't ask him. Sorry, mm. but that's the way it's got to go. I mean, mm. like, and eventually he trimmed down the fat. And now he's got these great apartment shows. Uh-huh. And everybody gets a little something oh, money-wise. And I'm sure he gets fucking yeah. some serious chunks. But, Could you know, be. good for know. him. I'm yeah, no, I mean. I mean, at the end of the day, producers, uh, they're the ones that are leveraging risk also. Right. And in any type of business, and as a, as a comedian, as a producer, we are the CEO of our, of our business. Right. And uh, certainly, the, the more you hedge on yeah. that bet, the more you deserve. That's right. You know, not that you should go, you know, just gouging. But yeah. uh, at the end of the day, you know, like uh, if you produce a show, it's high risk if you're if, if you're guaranteeing a headliner three five ten thousand dollars to come out and you manage to sell a gross number of tickets that's like thirty forty thousand dollars you know minus your marketing minus your insurance my mm-hmm. XYZ and you walk with as much or more than the headliner well good for you if you for if it wasn't for you there'd be no show and you could have lost if you didn't sell a ticket you were down three yep. to ten thousand dollars so yeah. I think risk is worth reward fuck yeah mm-hmm. so um now with that i mean it's interesting to watch you too it's like a not just a good comic but like as a business guy in terms of the way you've spread out kind of your shows like you've got these things in arlington and way out in lorton in these like wine valleys right there's something (laughs) some kind of thing with wine right uh well i do some winery shows wineries okay and then uh you know everyone do a brewery here and there but my staples are out in uh fredericksburg at a marriott where i've been doing shows for 
almost nine years and at the Workhouse Art Center in Lorton, where I've been for seven or eight years. Um, and uh, really, it started in Fredericksburg because I lived in Fredericksburg. Okay. And there was nothing there. Yeah. Uh, and I was driving, you know, an hour to do an open mic back then. And yeah. I thought, well, let me grab some of these funny people from the city and bring them out to Fredericksburg. And then, and it just grew. So, you know, my niche for Fredericksburg and Lorton is not only do I try to put on a very professional show. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a theatrical background. Lighting and curtains are very important to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, a, uh, you know, I'm very uh, picky about that. So I feel like I produce a good-looking room. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know, I feel like I have fairly good taste in who who is funny. Yeah. And then I uh, present them to people that are generally not exposed to that level of talent in a right. town where uh, they, they just don't get it brought to them. You know, if they, yeah. they want to travel north or south on 95 an hour hour and a half they can they can do it but i try to save them that trip i try to make it reasonably priced and uh try to make every single show impactful yeah um, and then uh yeah like you said i i try to um produce uh, uh valuable mics uh whether it's an open mic or a small showcase or something in uh, in arlington and now uh you know recently i've got couples therapy that's growing now tell um, us about that i i have yet to go to one and i should have yeah. gone tonight when i'm thinking oh, about yeah. it earlier yeah, that would have been... made some fucking right, right, sense right. <laughs> but uh, so the concept is is it pretty much self-explanatory by the name um kind of sort of and it's also still evolving i'm still uh, mastering exactly how i want it to go but um it's uh i assume i can say i can say dc improv on yeah. this podcast i'm not I'm, I'm sitting in a different club so uh yeah that the improv has been really good to me actually the first time it was ever produced was at the dc draft house uh, oh wow they took a risk on me and i uh i purchased a uh, a red chair and a red couch and uh threw them in the back of my minivan i remember my kids were in, I, like crammed into you know the, <laughs> inside the crevices of the couch because uh, i couldn't fit all three kids in the couch and chairs so and hauled it over here, and um, uh, we uh, you know set up the shows, and they were they were pretty good. Uh, we had we had some luck. I think we did it for a few months. The show I understood that the show could be good, um, but the chemistry of the room wasn't exactly right for the level of intimacy that I needed mm-hmm. um, for it to grow. So at the time, I didn't know what was going to happen, but. You know, I, I also, whenever I produce a show, it's got to be a positive symbiotic relationship or I feel guilty. Yeah. I hate it if I feel like somebody's doing me a favor or if I'm costing yeah, them money. Yeah. So I started to get like that. I was like, oh, God, we got 20 people at this show and they're, they're not buying drinks. You know, I, I can't remember the deal at the time. I think there was a low guarantee and I just felt like, man, they I am. I just feel bad about this. So we let it fade out, and um, and then a little while later, I, uh, I hooked up with the improv, and uh, for whatever reason, the chemistry, the marketing, the my, maybe my maturity and knowing the, the, the show a bit better, um, it uh, hit the ground running, and we've uh, sold out. Uh, tonight was 14 shows in a row, so over wow. a year's worth of uh, sold-out shows, and um, they continuously sell out uh, one to three weeks in advance, uh, which is great. Uh, but, but yeah, the crooks of the show, you know, it, it's it's couples oriented. But you know, we get a lot of singles in there. Get meetup groups, uh, bachelorette parties. Um, it, it it it's it's a different flavor than stand up. Mm-hmm. There's some stand up in the beginning, just to get everybody warmed up, give the comics uh, an opportunity to let the crowd get to know their personality. And then uh, I, I try to play a couple of games with the crowd. I've got some goofy things, that interactive things that I do with them. I try to give out um, a, a prize or something if they participate in the show. And, 
And then we have a, a Q&A section where we take uh, issues from the crowd. You know, I call them the patients. They're the patients All at right. the therapy session. And uh, one at a time, we go through their issues and try to address them from a comedic standpoint, of so course. So what's a typical, like, issue, like erectile dysfunction? <laughs> uh you see everything from, uh, yeah, uh, maybe erectile dysfunction, but it's, uh, you know, a lot of people like to ask about anal. That's a big one. Okay. Um, and then there's uh, normal stuff. Like uh, tonight we had, um, he doesn't like the way I put dishes in the dishwasher, so he rearranges my dishes. And that's like, then we got to figure out, okay, well, you know, can we realistically address this? Can we comedically, can we do a combination of those two things? And I try to, as the host... I try to put the the onus upon my guests, uh, the guest therapists, which are obviously they're the two comedians from earlier, and I have them back up, and I uh, I try to spin it to them. And generally speaking, because we're just naturally funny people yeah. in conversation, they spin it into something humorous, or I'll toss it out to the crowd, and some people like to get involved, and uh, usually it ends up in a pretty uh, pretty pretty good good way. Um, you know, comedically, we have a very good time. Mm-hmm. So what's the temperature on anal these days yeah. at these shows? Like, what does the rectal thermometer say about, like, oh, how wow. popular that is? Is that a common question? Um, You know, it's interesting. I mean, I've had I've had couples that the woman wanted it and the dude wouldn't do it. Uh, and then, then we have the opposite, which I think is a bit more, more typical. But... Um, I think uh, eating ass is a bit more trendy than uh, than fucking ass yeah. right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, you hear I, uh, a lot about it. Yeah, there's not. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know if anal's a big thing right now. I'm not sure. I mean, oh, not in the I hetero. You were hetero saying community. it was when I asked about erectile dysfunction. Uh, That's why I asked for elaboration. Oh, I, I said I was saying anal. I don't. I'm not yeah. sure how trendy anal is right now. But I. I mean. I mean, in the is in that the a trending topic though that comes up a lot? Oh yeah, I get it a lot. The, yeah. I think you know some people write things just because just they think they're going to be funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and, the, and anal is funny yeah. at the end of the day. Um, but I try to. I try to make it a very inclusive show. I'm always sure at the beginning of the show. To absolutely say, you know, this is not a heterosexual couples show. Right. Regardless of what you're into, who you touch, what you're, you know, what what you're attracted to, who makes you come, what makes you come. Yeah. This is okay. Virgins you know, allowed. Anything. I don't yeah. care. Couples, triads, got both groups, cons, orgies. Country uh, and West. Gay, bi, yeah. uh, gender fluid, anything. I don't care. We all are in a relationship so, or want to be one uh, way or another. Okay, so how many people of those other groups than just yeah. heteronormative things do you yeah. have like in attendance or, or that come out and ask questions and say, Hey, I'm gay. You know, I don't like the way that, you know, Tim, you know, unloaded the dishwasher yeah, or yeah, something yeah. or whatever. The is. way you say it, it sounds like a metaphor, but I think we're actually talking about unloading yeah, I the just, dishwasher. I was just thinking of a um, dude's name. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, they, they're there. Um, yeah. I, I, most people, I mean, I don't, I don't pull the room like mm-hmm. who, who's gay, who's straight, who's no, somewhere I in between. No, I know that, but I mean, like, do, do you have people that jump up and say, "Hey, I'm like so and so. I represent this. Thanks for being um, so inclusive." Not in the middle of the show, but yeah. I've had. I mean, there's been lesbian couples, gay couples, oh, okay. uh, triads, you know, cool. all those sorts of things, and they, uh, I love it when they chime in because, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's problems are the same. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's sort of an eye opener at these shows. Is like, oh wow, you don't have to be a straight heterosexual couple to not like someone that's snoring sleeping next to you. Yeah. That's everybody, and so you know, in 
Obviously, it's comedy, but it is nice when comedy can bridge the gap and and make everyone feel quote unquote normal uh, in one way or another. So yeah, Hell it's yeah. been a really fun show, and now I'm taking it up to New York City for the first time. It'll Walk be at the Stand yeah. in, uh, next Woo! Friday. I'm at the Stand in New Big York City, number one club in NYC. Yeah, it's uh, I'm excited. You know, they uh, I got hooked up. Uh, uh, old old boy uh, Stavros Halkius. Mm-hmm. Uh, Put in a good word for me, and um, great. we connected, and uh, so I'll be up there with Cat Radley and Josh Johnson, who are both uh, da- Daily Show writers. Yeah, yeah, you know, it'll be fun. Hopefully, I can sell the tickets up there. <laughs> I think so. I mean, all those shows tend to st- uh, sell out, and one thing about the stand—they have fantastic food too. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a okay. big draw. Oh, good. As well as well, the great comedy. I'm excited about that too. Yeah, they were kind enough to put me on a show the day before, and. Then I'll do couples therapy the next day, and then uh, uh, while I'm up there, I don't do a lot of time in New York City. Paris Sachet hooked me up with a gig um, after couples therapy that night, uh, later on that evening. So I'll do a little New Yorking, hey. and then come back here and uh, and hang, you know. Be back to basics. That's it, buddy. Back to William Jeffries. So dude, yeah, man. I, my new favorite Monday night. Ah, oh, man, I'm I'm uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, that's a new open mic, and um, not even that new anymore. We started it over the summer, uh, just trying to hammer it out. But um, at the time, we didn't have a curtain yeah, to block that that one entrance that made things acoustically a nightmare. But um, finally, and yeah. the people that run it, they get it. It was just it's a bit, bit of an investment, and so it sure. took a little time to sort of prove that it's we could curtain. get people in there. Yeah, man, that curtain was because uh, that's what it was. I had to get right. a soundproof double-sided curtain you know it was a bit of an investment they uh they finally uh they did it for us and ever since then it's it's kind of been a different room uh the feeling is really really nice now and so now you know you just gotta build that following when monday night mics are always going to be monday night mics it's not going to feel like a saturday about it though because it's a sequestered room you have people that are there to see comedy and these are people that kind of like they hate their fucking job. Like <laughs> they straight up, they're not waiting till Thursday to see comedy. They're happy they made it through like one fifth. This I is hope. like their... I, I try to put a lot of new faces on there too, and you know, of course, the request is bring a couple of people. That's the that's the hook on this mic. Is uh, yeah. I tried to make it accessible for new comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of require, it's not a bringer. It's also right. a buyer. Yeah, it so is. So I made it uh, bring two people or buy two things. Yeah. Because, you know, we both know that, like, getting two people to come it can sometimes just be agonizing. And then yeah. I, I think that that uh, precludes new voices from being able to take stages at respectable rooms. Mm-hmm. So I tried to make it a bit more. Because the, the, the truth about bringing people is... You know, we as comedians want that laugh, but the venue wants to purchase. Yes. So I decided one way or another, I need to validate this room's existence uh, from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. So if everybody buys some wings and a beer, they'll let us keep using wings it. Wings are fucking awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Best wings in town for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, slowly we're, it's, it's becoming a little bit of a respectable mic. And that's my goal is yeah. to, you know, nobody's making money on a, a fucking Monday night open mic. You know? Right. Um, I, I make a, a few dollars, but most of what uh, what I am guaranteed, I pay the host, which I always try to take care of anybody that works with me, and then I uh, I dump a bunch of it into marketing. Yeah, yeah, that they, makes uh, good sense. Got to man, you know, yeah. I think I, I have no excuse if I uh, if I offer an empty room to people that focused their 
you know, like their day, if they're like, you know, you know how it is when you're new too. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm on a mic tonight. What's my set going to be? Do I do this show? And I don't want to fail them uh, with right. a totally empty room. Not that, it, I mean, it happens. Um, luckily it hasn't happened in a while, but I, I get so embarrassed about that. Even as many years as I've been in, I hate swallowing that jagged pill of an, of empty, an empty room, room. Oh. that uh, that I've created. So the least I can do is, is dump that money into marketing and do my best. Oh, they. I mean, a couple times, like last week, it wasn't quite as well attended. Yep. But the last three before that, it was packed. It was, yeah, it was we had great. we had three in a row that were that were huge. Um, and uh, and but that, I don't expect that. I mean, we got through. That was the holidays. That was, you know, maybe we got lucky on that third one. And then last week, I think is more of uh, what I would expect. I think there was maybe twelve or fifteen people there and and to me on a monday if i get 12 the to 15 championship people game that's Come pretty on. good yeah was it was there College something going football. on oh, okay clemson lsu all right yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't i'm not great at keeping track of those things but you know i hate to have excuses i think there's enough um population around here that, that i should be able to draw enough people to make the drive worth it you know some people drive an hour hour and a half to do three to five minutes and i just uh i just want to be able to provide them something respectable uh so that they're you know that they want to come back and that they feel like they got in the work that they needed for that week, you know? Right, right, yeah. right, right. And what do you got coming up? Uh, okay, so uh, we had the couples therapy tonight. Tomorrow night I'm closing uh, two best-of showcases at the uh, Big Hunt Show with Underground, Okay, um, which is always an honor, especially at my age, that I still feel relevant <laughs> at uh, 43 to get down in that basement and hang with the youngins. Uh, that uh, It's validating for me. It's a me. big thing to you younger comics. Just you wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I started late, too. I started at uh, 34 years old. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, um, I don't know. I guess in a way that's an advantage because uh, I just kind of was who I was. I yeah. didn't have to go through an evolution that's of how I being feel young about and cool. Me, and I've said that on this thing yeah. and other things, too. I was 30 when I started, right and I'd already gone through most of my problems, stages, and everything. Oh, I hadn't been through my problems. I just yeah. mean like... <laughs> oh, I still got I, some things. I don't envy but... a transition. I see this with a lot of younger comics and they're, that are talented. They're 20, 22, 25, 26, and they're cool right yeah. now. So I never had to go through the transition of being cool and relevant into being a mature, good joke writer. Right. Because I think you can get away with a little more uh, just um, stupid shit if you're just young. some just some dumb shit that's like uh, hashtaggy yeah. uh, uh, fuck jokes uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, I don't think that i'm all that gross looking but like at 43 mm-hmm. it's more difficult to be like i was fucking abroad the other day yeah. and everybody's like oh hell yeah where yeah. you're just because everybody's like ah i don't want to think about my dad fucking somebody <laughs> so you got like you have that additional challenge of sure. just trying to be entertaining in a demographic that you don't absolutely identify with the minute you walk into the room you got to kind of bring them to your world or just write jokes that are powerful enough that it transcends. So I am I am proud of that, and I, I hope it doesn't fade away. But I also think I didn't have the challenge of transitioning uh, like a lot of comics will have that challenge as they get older. So maybe a small advantage in starting late, uh, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're like the fucking lady in the parking lot and fried green tomatoes. Oh, like wow. I got better fucking insurance. <laughs> <laughs> 
like, nah, uh, but yeah. um, we got good things coming up here at the D.C. Draft House. Oh, yeah. So on uh, Friday the 24th and Saturday the 25th, we're going to have from Second City, Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt and Silicon Valley, Marlena Rodriguez. And then at the Arlington Cinema Draft House, mm. we have on the same date, uh, 7.30 and 10 on the 24th, and then 7 and 9.30 on Saturday the 25th from Conan Arrested Development, and this is us, Moses Storm, oh. uh, for chances to win pairs of tickets to either one of these Please like our page on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can find us Currents DC Twitter, Counter Currents DC on Instagram, and then just Counter Currents Comedy page on Facebook. And you just follow us. It's yeah, man. Very fucking simple. Follow then, it up. You know, if you don't win next week, you can unfollow us and then follow <laughs> us again. And beat the game. You know what I mean? That's right. Um, yeah, man. So. Ramin, where can they get at you, my man? Uh, so on the gram, it's just uh, Ramin88, R-A-H-M-E-I-N-88. I, I promo uh, shows that I'm on and shows that I'm producing on there. And, uh, yeah, I think I, I'd, I'd love to see everybody at uh, Couples Therapy. It's a monthly show at the uh, at the Improv. And then um, just look out for individual appearances, you know. Boom, boom. Yeah, well, man. thank you very much for coming on. This has been great. Thanks, dude. Well, I'll do it again sometime and, uh, you know, solve the rest of the world's problems. Yeah, man. You got it. All right. Thanks, my brother. Peace.